Welcome to Ask the Therapist, a monthly podcast for everyone who's interested in how our minds work, building resilience through journaling and all things therapy. I'm your host, Sarah Rees, a mental health nurse and CBT therapist with over 20 years of experience in the field of mental health. Hello and welcome to episode 42 of Ask the Therapist. Lovely to have you here. Today I'm talking with Kathy Brooke. Kathy is a personal development coach and I was recently on her podcast, which is the Personal Development Podcast. We talked then about depression and seasonal affective disorder. But today I've got Kathy on my podcast to talk all about public speaking and she's the perfect person. Kathy has a background in acting and musical theatre and she coaches people to develop their confidence with public speaking. And this is something that I know I'm really keen to develop and work on and so many of my clients are as well because having to public speak is getting more and more important as we kind of have to put ourselves out there a bit more on social media or do presentations in the workplace or just being in conferences and on training programs where we have to raise our hand and ask questions in public forums. It's so important and it can be just such a block to people personally and professionally. So today, Kathy shares some common fears, but lots of strategies around overcoming those fears, working with limiting beliefs, and lots of straightforward tips and advice that are really practical and lovely simplicity to them all. So you can start practicing from today and really up your skills and start working towards being a much more confident public speaker. I hope you enjoy. Do get in touch with us if you've found this episode useful. If you have any other questions or just want to share your feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Enjoy. Hello, Kathy. Welcome to As a Therapist. Thank you so much for your time today. Oh, thank you for having me. Pleasure. Can you first tell us what is a professional development coach and how did you arrive at becoming a coach? It's such a good question because if you look online or on LinkedIn, there are so many versions of development coach, professional coach, business coach. There's so many coaches out there. So what I do as a personal development coach is I work with the individual. So that might be within a business or on a one-to-one aspect. So it's looking at any hurdles, any issues, any mindset, confidence, hurdles or setbacks that you're coming up against and looking at where they're coming from, how we can get past those. So it's looking at your development. So where do you want to be and how are we going to get you there? And it might mean looking into the past and solving any issues, outstanding things that have come up there. But it's all about how can we get you to where you want to be, be that professionally or personally, and what do we need to solve to get there? Fantastic. So very goal focused, that sound. Oh, absolutely. So how does that happen then? How do you become a personal development coach? Oh, this, yeah. So it's such a, a I mean, I'm going to com- compress this massively, otherwise it's a full hour. But I used to be in musical theatre. I was in theatre professionally. Uh, I did a couple of world tour cruises. Um, shows, bits and pieces, pantos, that kind of stuff um, as a professional singer and dancer. And then I had a voice disorder. So I had a psychogenic voice disorder, which was kind of stemmed from from the mindset, which I had no idea about until I studied it. And I had um, NLP therapy with a gentleman called Paul McKenna, not the Paul McKenna, but in my eyes, absolutely more and above the Paul McKenna. Incredible. 
absolutely phenomenal. He really opened my eyes to the power of mindset, thinking, thought. And I was, at the time, I was doing a lot of public speaking coaching, presenting, and singing, a lot of voice coaching for professional singers. And it's after I studied, I then went to study NLP, and I realized a lot of the problems that people were coming up against were being presented through the voice, such as public speaking or presenting problems. Whereas I'd used a very voice centric approach, you know, breathing, tongue release, diction, things like that. But the actual fundamental problems were coming from the belief system. So, what were the limitations? What were the confidence blocks? And it wasn't until I'd obviously gone through that process myself, I realized, oh my goodness, I'm skimming the surface here. I need to be getting deeper. So, I went and studied NLP, studied coaching, and started adding personal development into it. And then it just expanded into. It's not just for public speaking, it's for everyone. Yeah. And you work to, with people to help them develop public speaking skills, which is one of the reasons why I asked you to come on today. Because it's, I suppose that's definitely been one of my fears and something that I've kind of started working towards more over the last few years. But why do you think it's important for people to work on these skills? Honestly, just a full answer here. I want people to be able to say what they think and what they feel because I feel that so many people don't do what they really want to in life. They don't speak up. They don't ask the questions. They don't get where they really, really want because of fear. And if, you know, if we look at what, what that dream is, what's your dream goal, what's your ambition, we, you know, we see so many are to talk here, to present here, to lead this, to do that. And it's such a huge hurdle. And, you know, for, for me on a, on a personal level, my, my personal life was massively affected through not speaking up, speaking my truth. And as soon as I kind of overcame that, it was very much a case of I need to help other people do this because it's wild. You really unlock you. That's the only way I can describe it is you unlock the real version of you. That's lovely. And I like the way you say, you know, even just being able to ask a question at a conference or a training event. I mean, even that is just huge for so many people. And now with, don't you think we have the video on social media? That's the way it's going, isn't it? We are going to have to speak publicly so much more. Absolutely. And I've had so many clients coming to me, not so much about public speaking, especially over the COVID period, but about I want to push my business and I want to start doing LinkedIn videos, but I'm terrified of being in front of the camera. Cool. Let's look at that. So it's not just speaking up. It's also development, business development, personal development, kind of all encompassing, really. And out of all the people you work with, are there somewhere public speaking just comes naturally or is it difficult for everybody? That's, the, that's a really good question. So I think, yeah, again, it comes down to a belief system, I think. so. There are a lot of people who find it very, very difficult, as in crippling. And then you get people who get a little bit nervous and a little bit, you know, clammy hands. And then you do get some people that just love it. They love the adrenaline rush. And I think that's that's the difference, isn't it? I think it's the idea of, and, and as we as we know, our, our bodies can't tell the difference between adrenaline and excitement. Whereas some people uh, in public speaking, they get that adrenaline rush and they almost send it down the excited rush, uh, excited route. So they thrive off it. They love doing it. So we've got less hurdles, whereas a lot of people 
they get that adrenaline and they go down the anxious, oh my goodness, this is anxiety, this is fear. So they've decided that. So I think it's where your belief system is pulling you towards. But some people don't have don't have a, a negative experience or a negative belief attached to public speaking. So they do find it a lot easier. But I must say, even general public, I think it's looking, it sways towards more people find it nerve wracking or worrying on the on the lower end. Yeah, I heard, I don't know if it, this, I mean, I can't even remember where I read this, that people would rather die than public speak. It's like, it's like the, the one of the number one fears. Absolutely. And it's the, um, I can't remember, what, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. It was one of those ones where the top three fears in the world, I think the first was public speaking, the, there was another one, and then there was dying was third, which, I mean, I've definitely died a death on stage before. I mean, so. I don't know if that's that's two in one, really, isn't it? But uh, yeah, it's massive, massive, because it's so exposing and we're so vulnerable to ourselves out there because that's it, isn't it? Like if we look historically, you weren't supposed to go out of your out of your tribe, out of your circle. You know, if your ancestor, if we look at our ancestors, if we look at, you know, right back to caveman days, if you leave your tribe, your community, there's a chance you're going to be either ostracized, eaten by a lion, lost and eaten by god knows what else or you know burnt at the stake for speaking up against something so we are we have a predisposition to not go against the grain or not put ourselves out there because historically it's it's not the best thing to do when i was researching this topic i came across the term stage fright which seems to be to take the fear of public speaking just to another level. And I've worked with actors on this before, and it's been debilitating. I'm talking vomiting before going on stage. And I'm just interested if there's a difference between stage fright and fear of public speaking and what stage fright is and how would you work with it? Is it different from public speaking? So it's, it's again, it's such a good idea and such a good question, but it's, it's the same stuff. It's two sides of the same coin. So stage fright, performance anxiety, fear of public speaking, it all falls under the same umbrella. Um, And it's that idea of being exposed, being vulnerable. So as an actor, we're on stage, we're exposed, we're in front of people. As an athlete, it's it's performance pressure, public speaking, there's there's the pressure. So it all is performance pressure or or that that vulnerability and that um, exposure. Now, with actors, and that's something I, I mentioned to you before. It's it's really hammered home because not only have we got the natural, oh my goodness, the adrenaline rush of we're going on stage, we're performing, but myself, um, I went to drama school and it's something that is very much drilled into you, which is the idea of if you don't perform 100%, if you're not amazing, there are 10 other hungry actors with hungry agents that are ready to pull you down and take your place. So it's not just the pressure you're putting on yourself. There's also that pressure of you must be incredible. And we have that drilled into us from when we were younger. And I think I was saying to you earlier, the idea of I, I did one of my first contracts, which was in, in pantomime, which is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be enjoyable. It's all about rapport. And I was so terrified that I wouldn't do a great job. I spent evenings while the cast were all out, you know, building relationships, getting to know each other, that you then take on stage in panto. So it's fun, it's impromptu, you've got all those ad-libbing. I used to sit at home and do character analysis 
of a pantomime fairy. But that was a form of an, an, an exploration of stage fright because I was so scared and I had it drilled into me that I will be replaced. So what are the, some of the common worries people have about public speaking? I know I shared with you, we had a little chat beforehand and mine has always been, I'm going to bore people. So I overcompensate by speaking as fast as I possibly can to entertain which when I've listened to that back, it's probably not as entertaining as I think it is in my head. But what do you find are the common worries that people have when they they come to you scared of public speaking? My favourite one that people say is, I, I just don't want to fail. And then I'll I'll probe and say, well, what does what does that look? What is failure? What what does it mean to fail? Uh, stumbling, losing my train of thought, um, almost that deer in headlights idea. Asking a lot of questions. What if someone asks me a question and I don't know the answer? What if what if I just forget what I'm saying and everyone laughs at me? They're the main things we come up. Then we get the other stuff, such as my voice gets really tight, my voice gets really dry. And to be honest, it's almost cause and effect uh, with that stuff. That, that's kind of the effect of, of the underlying issues. But m- the most common things I get is the idea of fear of failure, vulnerability. I know I've had the worry of, and I think I've had it happen, I'm sure I've had it happen as well, where you literally, any, any information leaves your mind and you can't think of anything. But then again, think about fight or flight. So if you're going to fight or flight, if you're about to get attacked by a lion and you're doing a crossword, you're probably not going to finish it before running away. And it's the same thing. If you, you've got all this information in your head, you're ready to deliver it, and then that overwhelming fear and your body all the blood rushes to the the vital organs because it's right stay alive stay alive stay alive and unfortunately your your recall and delivery and confidence is not vital in that situation yeah handy that's handy isn't it <laughs> really useful great cheers thank you yeah the way i've overcome it though is that i've been taught to have a glass of water so i can say i'm just going to get myself a drink <laughs> kind of take a breath and have a drink and buy myself some time. And sometimes I think I've named it as well and just said, everything has gone out of my head and hope that the audience is just supportive. There's definitely something in that. And I've, I've spoken to people about this before. There's definitely something in calling out the elephant in the room. So, for example, if you're doing this talk and you, three seconds before you go on, you've spilled a bit of coffee on your top, you're going to be thinking throughout that whole talk is, oh, my God, everyone's staring at the coffee. Oh, my God, oh, my God all we're going to be thinking about. There's definitely something in going on that stage and saying, look, before I start, I've had a small accident and making almost a joke of it, making it humorous, calling out the elephant in the room, job done. That's that. That pressure's gone. We know it's there. We know it's dealt with. So there is definitely something in taking ownership of that because then it can't be a problem for others because you've, you've taken control of it. Yeah, owning it. So it's really, and I'm sure lots of people listening to this will be really interested in kind of developing the public speaking skills. Where would you recommend somebody start? You know, if you think that, you know, this is something you need to kind of develop and work on, where, where can people start? I think I'd recommend they start at the end. So what is the goal? Because again, we talk about public, oh, I'd love to public speak. Well, what does that look like? Is it a stadium? Are we talking selling at Wembley? Or are we saying, I'd love to be able to, at a restaurant, if the food comes undercooked, 
I'd love to be able to say something as opposed to chewing it and spitting it out in a napkin. So I'd say, what is the goal? What are you looking to do? And then I'd also really, really recommend to visualize and to feel that goal. What would it feel like if you did it now before any work was done? Okay, let's say I want to do a big talk, a a presentation. Okay, I'm going to imagine it now. And I'd write down everything you feel. Oh my goodness, anxiety, fear of this. I can almost see, you know, Bob in account staring at me and laughing and write everything out that you feel when you're visualizing that goal, because that is the information we need. We need to know what the hurdles are that are festering and kind of brewing away that are stopping you at the moment. So that would be the first place I would say, because again, we can say, oh, breathe, take a nice deep breath. But when we're just putting a plaster, we're putting a plaster on top of the underlying problem. So I'd say visualize the outcome and write down everything you're feeling. So interesting that it really feels like what you think is sits behind all this fear is the belief system. The, and I've, I've done a podcast a, a couple of episodes ago on all about limiting beliefs, about how, you know, sometimes we're not even aware of them. I have this um, boring thing. It took me ages to really uncover that. A lot of work to get there because I just couldn't figure it out. Yeah. And that's it. It's, it's absolutely that. And I think once you sit down with a list of things that have popped up, or oh, I'm worried about this, I'm worried about that, it's then time to go, right, why? Where's that come from? And what's the truth? So even if it's a case of, you know, going really back to basic and using a red and green pen and you write the red belief out and then replace it with a green belief. So why why do I believe that? And what do I want to believe? Because then we've got something to work towards. So that's where I start with it. And what would you say people could do practically? Are there any practical things people can do? Yeah, so if someone's got a presentation tomorrow and they're going, this this all sounds absolutely great, Cathy, but I haven't got time to start writing a journal before our presentation, I would say a couple of things. Number one, focus on what your audience need. So, for example, with public speaking, so many people see it as them stood in front of an audience and an audience staring at them and expecting and wanting. No, I want you to flip the whole thing around. With public speaking, now when we talk about public speaking, this could be talking in front of two co-workers, delivering your findings, delivering your research. It doesn't have to be, you know, selling out Wembley. It could be anything. It could be giving a one-to-one appraisal where you're delivering the information. So what I'd like you to think about, instead of thinking, oh my goodness, everyone's staring at me, flip the whole thing around. How can you help your audience? Because we're very, very good at helping people. If a friend came to you and said, I've had this problem with X, Y, Z, what do you think I should do? We wouldn't even hesitate to go, oh my goodness, right. Have you tried this? Have you thought about this? Or we go into into help. We would never go, oh, I might not say that because what if you think I'm being silly? We just help them. We want to help as humans. We want to help. And that is exactly what I'd like you to think about. Even if, and I know this sounds brutal and almost a bit counter, counterintuitive, even if you've got to make somebody redundant or you've got to give bad news, ultimately you are helping them because you can give them the news as opposed to them being found out or them being vulnerable or them being told by someone who genuinely doesn't care. It's such lovely advice that and it's taking you out of that threat system, isn't it? And thinking how can you add value and what can you how can you frame stuff and be as useful as you possibly can. But also because a lot of kind of social anxiety that I work with, when people are scared, they go into their head 
And it gets you out of your head and into really focusing outward and getting your attention out of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I definitely start with it. That's really useful. Thank you. And when I work with people who have anxieties and fears, the work is generally all about them getting and supporting people to go towards their fear in a very graded way. But often the problem I have with public speaking is they're not the opportunities to practice in a steady graded way to build confidence. So it's something that we generally, we just don't always have the opportunity to do. So it's difficult to kind of build your skills in it before actually having to do it. Are there any ways around this for public speaking? So again, it's that that idea of being out of our comfort zones. So this doesn't mean instead of public speaking, let's try jump out of a plane and see if we can overcome that fear first. But it's the idea of where else can we practice that? So for example, if if when you're shopping, you'd normally just have uh, a normal exchange with a cashier and you, you know, thank you very much, that and the other. Is it a little bit abnormal or a little bit out of your comfort zone to say, oh, how's your day going? Or are you ready for Christmas? Or have you had a nice year or whatever that might be? Is that slightly out? Is that something you wouldn't normally do? Because that's a pretty risk-free endeavor. So we could give that one a go. Even small things like when you're in work, do you, do you ever stand up in front of everyone and say, oh, I'm just going to make a brew. Does anyone want one? That's pretty risk-free, but it's still putting yourself out there. Yeah. So doing it in a really small way and thinking outside the box a bit. Absolutely. I also think LinkedIn uh, and social media platforms are really, really good. Now, these can be terrifying, but even speaking out a little bit more, even if it's commenting to start with, and I'm, I'm aware that's you know still behind the camera and behind the keyboard, but is that something that, oh, I never really put my opinion out there? Okay, well, can you try something soft that could be you know pretty risk-free? putting something out there a bit further, just thinking of things in your everyday life where you could just push that a little bit further. If you go to the gym the gym classes or the, the social events, could you put yourself on the second to front line as opposed to the back line? Oh, that's so useful. That's, I suppose I just haven't sort of thought out of the box with this stuff, but there actually there are lots of opportunities, aren't there? So many ideas where you can just just do something that you might not do. I, I am one of those people, 100%, if someone says, does, does anyone not understand that? We all know about 10 people in the class who won't understand, and you just won't put your hand up. So maybe maybe you're not ready to do that. Maybe you're not ready to do that at all. So might, you might not say anything, but you might then go to the coach or, who, or the, the course leader or whoever and just say, oh, I'm sorry, I, I didn't want to put my hand up, but I actually don't understand that. You've still done it. You've still gone out of that comfort zone, but you've just you're edging as opposed to jumping, you know, head first in. So I think small things that are pushing you forward. And, and confidence is a central part of public speaking. Do you have any advice around building confidence? Yeah, I think the, the, pretty much the same thing in, in terms of pushing out of our comfort zone in risk-free ways. But also a really, really nice one, and I know this, this links into something we spoke about before, is also have a look at people. Have a look at people that you think are confident and what do they do what are their mannerisms because the the classic quote of success leaves clues is a great one so look at somebody you find confident or successful and what's different what do they do differently can you let's say they're they're operating at a 10 can you take a few of their techniques and use them at a three or a four so it's not too too crazy for you but you're just starting the other thing with confidence which i would love to make sure is is out there 
when people talk about not being confident, I always say to them, okay, is there any benefit to you not being confident? And the classic response I get is, well, it stops me from being arrogant. People have got a belief that you're either unconfident or you're arrogant. And they're not confident, then they must be arrogant. And even listening to this, I know people will be thinking, oh, absolutely not. You can, you know, there's, there's a whole spectrum before you, it's not black and white. But when we're in it, some people fear confidence because they're worried about being the other spectrum. Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? And thinking about getting that a bit more, softening that, and is that actually the case? Yeah, is that really the truth? Yeah, yeah, completely. And a quick question. This is one for me, really. So I find I say so all the time. You might not have noticed because I'm trying to calm down the times I say so. And I know how people have things that when you start, um, one of the things I do, we obviously I do this podcast, so I have to listen to myself speak. And you start to hear things that you say all the time that become really annoying. And I know some people kind of say, oh, or ums. Are there any tips for pulling away from this? When you start to hear the irritating things that you say again and again and again, it's so automatic. How do you stop it? This makes me giggle because I'm a nightmare for this myself. So I feel like such a hypocrite saying this. However, I'm, a, you know, you know, people listening to this, I'll be like, oh my God, yeah, you do. You say that all the time. I can't stand you, woman. But the idea behind this is, there's two reasonings or theories behind ers, ums, so's. The first one behind ums, it's normally when we ask a question. So if someone asks us a question and we, um, uh, uh, it's almost a filler. Now, a lot of theory behind this is the fact that when we were younger, when we were children, if our parents or someone in a senior position, shall we say, or a position of authority asks us a question, they want an answer. They want an answer right away. So if we're not sure, now as adults, we, uh, we, we give a filler, which is almost us saying, I, I will respond, I will respond, I'm just, I'm just thinking. Buying time. Yeah, we're just buying time. As a child, and it's unconscious, we don't know we're doing it, but as a child, if, you know, if your mum and dad says, oh, you know, where have you put that, or why is the dog tied to the Christmas tree, or we've got to answer. Where's your sister? What, what, what have you done with this, that, and the other? We've got to answer. As adults, we don't. And I think it's it's about the first thing is about thinking, do you know what? I don't have to operate from that threat-based system. I don't have to operate. So just taking that time. Now, the other side of it all is um, so's, things like that. And, and again, this will uh, resonate with you, Sarah, definitely. The idea of rushing when you public speak. If you're rushing when you're public speaking, you're almost acting like a printer. So you're printing the information off as quick as you can. Yet. The computer, your brain, hasn't had time to type it out. So it's, it's trying to type it out really, really quickly, but you're printing it so fast that at some point it's got to go, uh, there's a little bit of a jam because your brain hasn't had time to get all that information in order to then be printed, but that printer is just going and going and going. So we've, um, uh, and that's where that loss of train of thought comes in. So a really, really, really nice technique is going back to the breath. So looking at the idea of taking an inhalation through the nose, right down to the lower diaphragm, so a really big breath into the tummy, and then just allowing yourself to speak as you're breathing out, just relaxing. You're asked a question, take a second to breathe in. 
before you start a new phrase, take that second to breathe in. So not only does that relax you and it helps reduce the cortisol, that's kind of stress hormone and takes us away from fight or flight, but it also allows our brain, the computer to go, okay, I think I've got everything in order and let's press print. So it's just buying yourself time, really. Yeah, and we talked just before this episode, and that is the only way I've, I mean, I'm still quite quick as a speaker, but when I've really tried to work on this and done some voice coaching, they got me to record myself speaking as I'd like to speak, which is with no breaths whatsoever, and then to record myself speaking very slow down and breathe as well, which was a new thing for me, breathing and speaking. And then listen back, and actually, it sounds so much nicer when you breathe because other people's brains can keep up with you as well. And even from a vocal technique point of view, the way that your vocal folds work, it's very much like when we were younger and we used to put like a blade of grass between our thumbs and blow through it to make that breathe, almost like a clarinet. So, your vocal folds work by the air or the breath coming up from the diaphragm, vibrating at vocal fold level, and that creates the sound. If you're not breathing, if you're not breathing in or out, we get a really pinched sound here. And you can already hear in the voice, it becomes quite tight. You found yourself kind of wanting to swallow, needing a glass of water, getting a lump in the throat. You might find your pitch going a bit squeaky and a bit higher and it being a bit tighter. Now, that's not your voice per se. It's not your voice that's broken. It's the fact you're not breathing. It's again, if you try and play a clarinet, but you're not actually blowing it, nothing's going to happen. And that's pretty much what's happening with the voice. So it's great for moving moving away from the mm, uh, that kind of confidence as well. But it's also absolutely fantastic to give you that lovely, rich, resonant tone when you are speaking. Are there any good resources that you'd recommend for people to read or watch or any books or anything? Yeah, so I... And again, I know it's public speaking and talking. There's books like the Talk Like Ted and Confidence in Public Speaking books. They're absolutely fab. But again, I really, really believe that for 90% of people who come to me worried about public speaking pitching, it's not that stuff. That's the top level stuff. You know, imagine your audience is sat there in their underwear. It's not going to help that underlying belief. So I would really say, and I know it's slightly, um, slightly dated now, but the chimp paradox. Steve Peters, just to give you that understanding that you're actually in control of your thoughts. Because I think that's the number one is a lot of us think that we're not in control. It just happens. Oh, this always happens to me. No, wait there. You've got a choice. And I think that book, Chimp Paradox, Steve Peters, is a fantastic way to be able to separate your actions and your thoughts just to learn that. And the second one, which I found absolutely fab, is the NLP the NLP workbook. It's a blue book. You can get it on Google or Amazon or wherever. The NLP workbook, purely because even if you're not interested in, in NLP, there's an area on limiting beliefs on, on that kind of idea, which I think it's just great to read that section and learn that, why? Why do I think this? Why do I have this belief? Because once we take ownership of it, we can do something about it. So they're the first, they're, well, they're the two resources, I would say. And then the third thing, and a little bit of an odd one, you've asked me here, is there any resources that I recommend for people to read or watch? Watch people. So somewhere along the way, we've learned that speaking up, speaking out, and we often learn this as children because the school 
playground and the classroom can be quite a cruel place. And if someone speaks up and they get picked on, we learnt in that environment not to be out of our comfort zone, not to make ourselves vulnerable. But start watching people who do that, be that in the office environment, be that on a Zoom call. Watch people who ask a question, who public speak. We're not asking, you know, I'm not looking at celebrities. I'm not, you know, we're not analysing Obama's speeches, even though I think that's, that's totally credible because he's fab. But looking at these real life people who are speaking, speaking up, having conversations, hosting talk shows, and have a look at what happens and have a look at when they go out of their comfort zone. So when they speak up, when you're on your business Zoom call and again, Bob from accounts speaks up, what happens? Because our minds think, oh my goodness, I couldn't do that because I'd fail, I'd do all this. But as soon as we start watching that, oh, well, nothing happened, we're starting to learn in the real world that we can go out of our comfort zones and the world will not implode. I think use those around you because ultimately that's what you're bothered about. That's what that vulnerability and fear base is coming from. So let's get in control of that. So interesting. I remember um, I read a book, I think, I think it was called Standing Out from the or Owning Owning the Room, I think it was. And they talk a lot about the Obamas. And you can Google Michelle Obama's first um, time she ever did a speech. And then kind of five years later, and she's at the difference is phenomenal. But she even when she was new to it, because she's new and she's really trying, there's a, you really feel very warm towards her. When Barack Obama was doing his, you know, he's like just fabulous at speeches, but he was doing it about four times a day for months and years. So, you know, a lot of practice there. But I love your advice. It's really keeping it simple and a lot about slowing it down, thinking about your belief system and breathing. I also think you hit the nail on the head there with what you said about Obama practice because you can do as many courses and webinars and read as many books as you want unless you're repeating and learning and repeating and repeating it isn't going to be an overnight fix okay is that practice in front of people or do you think kind of you should like do it in front of a mirror or would you do that when you're public speaking or when you're practicing when you're practicing yeah i i genuinely believe that in front of people because that's where a lot of the belief system comes from. In front of the mirror, we're safe. We're not vulnerable. Yeah. Okay. Uh, unless your parents walk in or your other half walks in and they think, what on earth is going on? But you're not vulnerable. It's, you know, we can practice all of those things. It's not until we step on the stage that all the variables change. And that's when people go into fight or flight. That's really useful. Thank you. And one of my last questions I ask all my guests is, if you could go back to your 15-year-old self, what would you say to her? <laughs> I always love this one because I know full well that I was such a, I don't want to use the word geek, but as I explained with the panto, I was so end goal focused in a, in a sense of everything has to be perfect. So I think I'd say to her to enjoy the process. For me, I think that everything was stressful, even, you know, exams, GCSEs, A-levels, even drama school. When you supposed to be the most exciting time of your life, it was just for me, how can I be the best? Right. So you just got your head down and didn't enjoy the place. I don't feel like I really, you know, I didn't go to parties. I didn't go anywhere. I didn't really do much because on occasion, obviously, but I didn't do 
as much as the other students did because my head was so, no, if you're going to be the best, you need to work the hardest. And I say to 15-year-old me, chill out, just chill out. Yeah. And there's learning in that, isn't there? Like, you know. Yeah. That's lovely. Thank you so much. I know people are going to find this so valuable. And how can people find out more about what you do and where where are you on social media? How can they follow you or get in touch with you? What's the best places and platforms? So I use LinkedIn a real lot because I just love the format of being able to do a live session. So I do a, a Monday morning mindset every Monday and a, every Wednesday, just 10 minutes on a Monday to get everyone prepared for the week and a session on a Wednesday, often with a guest. So that's LinkedIn and that is Kathy with a K, Kathy Brook, Brook with an E, coaching. My website, again, Kathy Brook Coaching and emails Kathy at Kathy Brook Coaching. I'm pretty much uh, on websites, all social media bits and pieces. Feel free to drop me a message or book a call. And yeah, it'd be great to talk to anybody. And I will link to everything in the show notes. And thank you so much. It's, I've really enjoyed it. And I've, I've made some notes. So I'm excited to dive into them. Brilliant. Oh, that's ace. Thank you for listening to Ask a Therapist. For more information about the CBT Journal, visit my website at sarahdreese.co.uk. You can also sign up to download your free guide to building emotional resilience delivered straight to your inbox. You will then also receive regular newsletters where I share my blog posts, podcasts and tips and strategies for better mental health and psychological resilience. Don't forget to review and subscribe to the podcast and you can also share episodes on social media using the hashtag AskTheTherapist. This episode was written and presented by me, Sarah Reese, and edited by Big Tent Media and produced by Emily Crosby Media.